2: The Around the League podcast is on Coughlin' Time.
3: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Wow, a little bit of a delay there, was <laughs> It's called right. what we talked about before the show. It's a beat from he took, Chris He Westling. took several beats there before God. throwing it out there.
4: I'm a little off my mark. I'll be all right.
3: Uh, well, what's wrong? Nothing, nothing. I'm I'm good. Listen, he's the mailman. He always delivers. Uh, <laughs> I'm very excited today because you know, working for the around the league crew is very exciting, and it's really fulfilling work, and it's a great job that a lot of people would kill for. But one thing we don't typically get is real lunch breaks. <laughs> you know, Greg keeps us work, and he's the boss. He says, you know, get your food, get back here. Not <laughs> not today. not say that.
4: <laughs> <A> meta- <laughs> not
3: today. A, a metaphorical whip. Yeah, not today. Today, sandwiches were ordered by the boss. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're going to have a sit-down, and we're going to get Patra on the phone from Chicago. Kevin Patrick coming at you, and we're going to talk some ATL initiative business.
5: Oh, yeah, we're going to—well, this is, you know, a result of the go-get-my-lunch— Sandwich games. We're going to go go get your lunch.
4: Right. That last part was supposed to be implied. Oh, that's right.
5: Um, and uh, we're also going to talk about an upcoming series, Making the Leap, hubba which hubba. was a big hit last year, and we'll certainly be talking about it on the podcast, so we're going to decide which players will be making the leap. People are talking about it in the streets. N- and that's our job. <laughs> right. That's pretty good.
3: No, that's good. I I love this job, and I, I will say we all took the orders. We put them in. And uh, what, Wes, what would you get as a sandwich? I got the classic <laughs> Italian sub. That's a solid one. I was going to get the Chipotle chicken. We couldn't find it on the menu, so I went with the Jamaican jerk sandwich. And what did you get, Greg? The barbecue beef brisket oh. panini.
6: Good guy. That's pretty good. I had that the last two solid times. Pick. It's
3: delicious. Um Mark Sessler, noted vegetarian of the group, I wanted to have Greg forward the <laughs> the sandwich that oh, Mark ordered. So I'm going to go down the the list because it's an abomination. It's called custom veggie sandwich. These are Mark's choices: sourdough, no cheese, romaine lettuce, tomato, cucumbers, avocado, green olives, pickles, jalapenos, salt, pepper, and Dijon. Oh my goodness!
6: Look at that thing, Mark. What, what is the issue? Also in, where's the beef? Also where's the, the
5: cheese? In the email that Mark sent to me, which I should have just forwarded, it had three stars in all caps, no meat, no cheese. As if the as if, the as
3: words, if we don't know that Mark doesn't eat meat. No, as no,
6: if no.
5: the words custom veggie sandwich doesn't imply no meat.
6: I know that our friend Tristan in Australia will agree with me that if you don't clarify these things, the baker, whoever that putting this thing together in some sandwich <laughs> yeah. shop, just throws everything on there. You and, have to be specific. Baker,
3: baker.
5: I'm not. I, I the sandwich maker. I get being vegetarian, but the, the vegetarian, but you don't like cheese or tofu thing.
3: I also doesn't yeah, add up. and I also get when Mark says he doesn't, he's not into the high octane sandwich business. He sees it's overrated. I see that because this is hard work to come up with something that you find delectable.
6: How about this? You continue to mow down life forms <laughs> life in order words. to eat your lunch, and I won't. But I'll take the heat. Right. If every one t- three of you. If every
5: time I had to order a sandwich, it was like writing a small short story or something. I mean, that, that's a, an assignment to come up with all of that.
4: Romaine lettuce, tomatoes, cucumbers, avocados, green olives, pickles, jalapenos—all had life coursing through their veins before mm. somebody plucked them off the vine. Point. I think you know
3: Scientist. what I'm saying. Um, all right, so anyway, Mark is going to enjoy a sandwich. We're, we're going to do our <laughs> stuff. Sorry wait, so to call you out on that, Mark, but wait, it's, by it's fascinating. by the way, Patra yes.
6: already had to scurry off to his lunch, and he's going to be empty-handed during this meeting. Well, he doesn't live here,
5: so what, what can we do? He can I get teleported. Chicago-style beef.
3: <laughs> Patra's eating meat. That man's been in fist fights, as we know. <laughs> he's in the streets. All right, so big show today, guys. We are going to... Get into the OTAs. We're going to start digging in. They've they've really kicked off in earnest this week. There there have been uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. We did. Uh, Mark and Wes both handled a kind of an overview of the day, and we're going to kind of pick through those two things. We need I don't know. We need some type of catchy title for it. Whispers. OTA I don't know. And whispers. I don't it's, know. It doesn't <laughs> sound bad. Uh, Also, we're going to get into a little talk about, a little chatter about the top 100, NFL Network's top 100, and thoughts upon the latest uh, reveal, which was, what, 61 to 70, Mark, Uh, Greg? That's true. And uh, so we'll hit that. Uh, But before we do any of that, as we always do, there's the great man behind the glass. The clock is ticking. On the Gold Standard, being a part of the Around the League podcast, but we're savoring every moment. The Gold Standard. Zach Goldman. Sir. What's up, buddy?
2: Not too much. How you doing? How are you? I'm great.
3: Any uh, Anything you need to share right now?
2: Uh... Not too much. Still bummed about Landon Donovan, obviously. It's not, well, let's okay. move okay. on. All right. You know right. what I mean? Well, a quick bit of household uh, activity that we got to take care yes. of. Yes. Uh, we are running low Did on... Did you mean everything. housekeeping there? Housekeeping, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> household that I like to believe that we all like, share an abode. I was going to say, like,
3: uh, Mark, you have to unload the dishwasher. less <laughs> you need to make the beds. Yeah. Greg, I'm vacuum. I'm almost stuck on the ironing. Man. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Anyways, uh, we are running low on money tags.
3: Hashtag Ooh. money tags.
2: Um, So if we could have our esteemed listeners submit their pithiest, funniest uh, intros, that That would be splendid.
5: And to explain that the money intros, money tags, hashtag money tags, are the the start of the show.
3: Well, they're this. I'll play this.
5: The Around the League podcast.
2: Does a great Charlie Casserly, you see.
3: So something like that, but funnier, basically. Correct. Bring your A-game and be a part of the Around the League podcast listeners. As you always are, we'd love to be in contact with you. Now, we take off doing some work and try to put it upon the people that listen That's really to the, the show. best
6: part. I mean, it's a to-do taken off our list. <laughs> I know. We really I'm have never gotten Like It's not like
5: we're contributing half and half now. we have just relying on this completely.
3: Uh, we need to start figuring out ways <laughs> how to transfer this to other elements of our job. All right. <laughs> Good stuff, guys. <laughs> hey, let's do some news. Let's do it. All right, the big news that happened uh, after our show on Tuesday, Dallas Cowboys middle linebacker Sean Lee, out for the year, most likely with a torn ACL, suffered during the first day of OTAs with the Cowboys. Obviously devastating news for the defensive linchpin of that team. Uh, NFL media insider Ian Rappaport reported Wednesday on NFL Total Access that the Cowboys, at this point anyway, don't plan on bringing in outside veterans to compete for Lee's middle linebacker spot. Uh, and I'll give you the three names that are jumping out right now in Big D as people to play for Sh- in Sean Lee's spot. Devontae Holloman, Anthony Hitchens, Justin Durant. Do any of those names light up your Christmas tree, gentlemen?
4: Durant's already a starter on the strong side, so they would conceivably be moving him into the middle and then maybe moving Devontae Holloman to the strong side. Holloman was a training camp darling last year, uh, late-round draft pick. Played really well. Cowboys fans love him and insist that, you know, if they play that guy, they'll be just fine.
5: Yeah, but the Cowboys uh, coaches don't love Bruce Carter, who's also now going to be locked into a starting lineup. And this is a defense that was among, if not the worst, in the entire league last year, and now you're losing your best player.
4: No, I, I, I'm not saying I believe Holloman is right. the answer, but— Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that when I saw a Cowboys defense without Sean Lee, DeMarcus Ware, and Jason Hatcher last year, the New
6: Orleans Saints racked up a NFL record 41st downs. Yeah. It puts so much pressure on Tony Romo and the offense, too. Because, what else is new, though? Well, what else is new? But th- they're going to have to win these games 48-46 to 46 next season. And I – you know, look at Dallas. That's a team that – Dan, you said it downstairs – Despite their up and down, they had a lot of hope going into most seasons and a lot of hype. This looks like a four-win team to me. Wow. wow. There's wow. A, uh, Front seven's awful on this team. There's there's a
4: listener who tweeted at us a month or two ago that he wanted to get involved in the go-get-my-lunch uh, proceedings by saying the Cow- Cowboys will not win more than three games. <laughs> he I, said that? Yeah. I would would take that. And part of it was that he believes Tony Romo will be hurt again, but this defense is a three-win defense.
5: They have George Selvey probably starting again. They have Nick Hayden or, you know, who knows, Tyrone Crawford, if he gets healthy. Anthony Spencer is a total mystery coming off an injury. And then there's Henry Melton, their big free agent signing. Whose knee doesn't look good. Yeah. Every single player in the league right now is ahead of schedule except for Henry Melton, <laughs> who's behind schedule. He's and, the only one that the, that schedule is really for.
6: And they had <laughs> massive need at safety and Claiborne at cornerback is a total enigma. There's issues on every layer of this defense.
3: And I think, Wes, what you're saying, if Tony Romo got hurt, all bets are off. And I think I could get behind Mark, a four win team. But to me, if I if I needed if I needed to make a guess now, my life was on the line, I'd say this is I don't know, six or seven win team. Yeah, and if you could say one thing for the Cowboys is that how many years, like Mark alluded to, have there been expectations with the team? This will be the first time in some time that there will be no expectations for the Cowboys, and maybe they'll be able to ride that to some semblance of momentum or some type of motivation. Nobody believed in it. Well, his it's card, a good but- thing
6: they've been locked into what six or seven nationally televised games again. <laughs> If Brandon Whedon's running this outfit, they're going to be in the hunt for
4: the number one pick.
5: And they, they gave Lee a lot of money before last year, and I remember I wrote up a post on it when it happened. I thought it was a great contract. It was worth the risk. It's a move you have to make. But now here's a guy that already missed sixteen game, or 15 games combined over the last two years to a variety of injuries, and now he's going to miss probably the whole season. It's kind of been a disaster signing for them.
3: So here's one moving forward with other Cowboys news. One player that can almost single-handedly help keep the team afloat is Dez Bryant. He was asked this week if uh, he believed he should be one of the highest-paid receivers in the game. This is Dez Bryant coming off... Uh, the past two seasons, where he has 25 touchdowns. His response: Yeah, I deserve it. I deserve it. I feel like I do. I put the work in, but I let that kind of stuff take care of itself. It is, w- it is what it is. I let my a- agent talk about it and give me some feedback. And Des Bryant, who's working under his rookie deal, is scheduled to make 1.78 million and a 250k workout bonus, arguably uh, the best deal in the NFL or one of the best. It would be. Funny to see how much of his new
4: contract goes uh gets taken out of Jerry Jones babysitter fee. <laughs>
5: <laughs> what, the guy that's that used to be, are they still traveling around with Dez Bryant the Cowboys employee? they still doing I that. think there's
4: still some of that going on. I wonder what his curfew is now.
5: I I really took from what Ian reported on Wednesday night it was where he added some context about the Cowboys are not ruling out giving him a new contract before this one is up, but they want to make sure his progress continues. And I don't think that's talking about on-field progress. They basically want to say, okay, let's, let's see how you're acting for the next three or four months off the field, and if you have the right attitude, and, and maybe then we'll pay
6: Well, and that's consistent with what Jones said at the NFL annual meetings in March. and it, There was an enigmatic quote from Jones about where they stood with with uh, Des Bryant contract-wise, it made no sense at all in terms of whether they were actively looking under an extension or not. Garrett ex- he, Garrett hinted that they were, but I think you're right. It's in this holding pattern of sorts. It's come
4: a long way from two years ago when every Cowboys beat writer, flat out guaranteed,
5: Des Bryant would not get a second contract from the Cowboys. Hmm. He's a great candidate for a franchise tag, too, because you'd happily pay him that one-year contract if you need to because he's obviously worth it. He's more than worth it, but there's other guys like A.J. Green, Julio Jones, they're all going to be up for contracts, too, and they can kind of wait around for them.
3: I also wonder, internally, especially for a Cowboys team that is uh, dealing with back issues regarding their quarterback, if Dez is back, which has given him a problem two years in a row, if that's something, maybe that's on their radar, too, if he if he has the body to hold up. He's only he's only 25, he doesn't turn 26 till November, but this is a guy that left... Um, the season finale in 2012 in a wheelchair, and then <laughs> he dealt with that back if issue all through last season. You know, that But he was, was great. Let's Yeah, and he was a great player.
4: Let's play a quick impro- improvised game here. Mm. Des Bryant, A.J. Green, Julio Jones, Demarius Thomas, all entering contract years, right? Sure. Which one gets the highest contract? I They're th- all pretty equal as receivers, wouldn't you say?
5: I would not put Thomas quite at that level if mm. they're all healthy. And even Dez, I might put a little bit low because of the injuries. I'm going to give it to Julio Jones. I would
6: agree with Julio
3: Jones. He's probably the most consistent of those players, right? I'd
6: say A.J. Green's the most consistent. Yeah. Mm. But that's the Bengals. How much and are they going to want And Julio's wanna... had he's probably the two best foot player.
4: injuries now, the combine
5: foot injury and last year's. I changed my answer to A.J. Green. If the Bengals pay him what he's worth, which they they're should. They're
4: so stingy, though. I love Julio Jones, but I think it's AJ Green who gets the most money here.
3: And I will also, I think mm. Dez is the most talented of any of those guys.
5: I think Julio
6: it, is. So we're betting against Jerry mm. Jones uh paying <laughs> top dollar to an in-house talent. <laughs> it, it is crazy. It's a new era.
5: You mentioned he might be the most talented wide receiver of those guys and in football. Th- for all the trash we just talked about the Cowboys, that offense is very I mean they have One of the most talented wide receivers. They have a very good quarterback. They have one of the most talented left tackles in the league. They have a very good running back in
6: DeMarco. I mean, it's a great offense. Should be. On paper. They're a back spasm away from Brandon Whedon.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving forward. Uh, One of our favorite players in the Around the League podcast uh, uh, history, New Orleans Saints safety, Jairus, Jairus, Jairus Bird.
1: Jairus
5: Byrd. J- Ruse. Bayard.
3: underwent back surgery on Thursday. Saints coach Sean Payton announced uh, to reporters uh, it's an issue with a, a disc issue that Payton downplayed, said it wasn't necessarily it wasn't a necessary surgery and one that wouldn't have been uh, done if if the issue cropped up during the regular season. But it was something that will help him down the line. Uh, doesn't sound like a serious issue, but a back in, back surgery is back surgery. And not great news for a Saints team that just invested uh, more than $26 million in guaranteed money to Mr. Jairo Bird.
4: I wish Sean Payton wasn't a liar. I wish you weren't a
6: liar.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say that?
4: No, you can't downplay any back surgery.
5: Right. Would it, here's the thing. Would he have had this back surgery in February? Of course not, because it would have dramatically changed mm. his market value. So... It has to be somewhat serious.
3: Were the Saints aware of the surgery or the issue before they signed him? I wonder if that if that was a su- situation as well. That's a good question.
5: Well. I wonder, would we be talking about this if you didn't love St. Jairus Bird's name? so Jairus? Byrd. Jarius. Just an excuse Bayard. to bring back one of our favorite parts of the show during the gold standard era. Right. Really? Ba-
3: yes, exactly. Back surgery... <laughs> Is going to get Jairus Bird or Jairus Bird mentioned every time, but it doesn't. The threshold isn't even that high. Basically, anything he does, he'll find his way (laughs) into the podcast at this point. Um, Moving forward, Doug Baldwin and the Seattle Seahawks Baldwin have uh, struck a deal on a two-year extension. Uh, NFL media insider Ian Rappaport reported Thursday the deal is worth four point three million a year for a total of thirteen million, with almost eleven million in new money. The Seahawks uh, are targeting this week to have the deal formally done, but uh, this seems like a fair deal for a pretty good receiver, right?
4: I can tell you I would rather have Doug Boldman on my team than Brian Hartline.
5: And he's making a lot less than the Hartline. He's, mm, he's below the Hartline. <laughs> I would take Hartline. And not just because you know, he, uh, Greg. What is on, what, know, what is show? the
6: issue that you have with uh, Seattle Del Baldwin with Seattle receivers no, in general? In the last couple of days, Baldwin's name has bubbled up as a potential post on our website, <laughs> and every time it does, Greg just says, "Nah, not worth it." And even with this, had to get this had to get floated in under your, well, I don't know. Let's get to the bottom
5: of your hatred for Seahawks wide receivers. Or guys named Doug. Baldwin is a good third or fourth receiver. We didn't need to be doing posts on that he might possibly (laughs) sign a contract that they're working on a deal. Let's just wait till that contract's signed. Then we can talk about that. I'm going to
4: put on my boss pants here and assign some homework to Greg. Those are tight. Watch some Doug
3: Baldwin film.
6: All right. (laughs)
3: And by the way, Pete Carroll has this
4: Assault,
6: to say. Big, Big, weekend. In the Super Big Bowl. weekend plans for Greg.
3: Doug has been a tremendous player, Pete Carroll said. Why would Pete Carroll lie? He says he's tremendous, Greg.
6: He is a good player.
5: He's, a, he's the type of guy your fan base is going to love. If he's on the open mark, look at his contract. That says it all, Wes. Why can't, it's a good deal for ooh, the Seahawks. Scientists right it's here. a good deal for him, too. I like Doug. Ballard. But he's getting paid appropriately, ooh. and Brian Hartline is way overpaid. hate to see this. That, that might be fair. The, the one thing about Baldwin now is their is long-term. Richardson is a second-round pick. Percy Harvin. This, is, this used to be a big weakness for the team. I don't know if their receiver group is a weakness anymore. It's good. Baldwin's making Jordy Nelson money. <laughs>
1: Stop. <laughs>
5: Come on, guys.
3: All right, moving on. Uh, we have another uh, NFL owner that has passed away, Malcolm Glazer, who purchased the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1995 and hoisted the team's first Super Bowl trophy eight years later. Died Wednesday morning at the age of 85. Glazer served as a guiding force in the Bucks' rise as a respected NFL power following decades of struggles uh, in Glazer's time as owner. The team earned seven playoff bursts, five playoff wins, and the team's lone Super Bowl title in the 2002 season. People forget how awful the Bucks were for so many years. They were like the team that you can make fun of. And, uh, you know, Glazer didn't do it alone. His family and his sons and daughter played a major role in uh, turning the franchise around. But, you know, Glazer played uh, a big part in the Bucs' rise.
4: I'm glad you mentioned how awful they were. When Hugh Culverhouse died in 1994, he was the former owner and really a big wig in the inside NFL circles. He was a big-time lawyer who really helped all—got involved in the Al Davis lawsuit. When he he died— Glazer's competition for the Bucks franchise, Peter Angelos, mm. the Baltimore Orioles owner who basically ran, ran that franchise into the ground, George Steinbrenner,
6: oh, right. one it forgot t- about the
4: a Tampa Bay resident and a man named Socrates Babakas.
6: That is awesome. <laughs> he should own everything. <laughs> Well, and, and people forget that the Bucks flirted with Bill Parcells. Wait a second. <laughs> Do you, does anybody
3: realize that Wes just rolled all that information out without looking at a piece of paper? The Man, he's a scientist. Socrates <laughs> Babacos. Is that real? Was any of that real what you just said?
4: Yes. And Glazer, when he pay, when he bought the franchise, it was the highest fee in the history mm. of professional sports franchise: $192 million.
3: Wow. Okay, Mark. I'm
4: sorry. Well,
6: no, but they they had flirted with Bill Parcells multiple times And it was Glazer that finally said, you know what? I can't go get someone who I want to coach just to come here on their own volition. I'm going to swing one of the biggest trades of all time to go get John Gruden. I think those trades aren't allowed anymore because of that deal. Isn't that That correct? That was a gutsy move. He's what what you want in in a
5: lot of ways in an owner. When he passed away, it's not a name that a lot of NFL fans or even we are that familiar with. His son Joel mostly runs a team. They're pretty hands-off just for the big moves. You know, they hired Tony Dungy. They hired John Gruden. He's a guy that is probably or almost definitely more well-known overseas because they own Manchester United than he ever was in the U.S.
3: The gold standard knows this. In 2005, Glazer purchased the Manchester United soccer team. The team won five Premier League titles, uh, 2007, 8, 9, 11, and 13, as well as the 2008 UEFA Champions League. Hubba hubba. Thoughts, Gold Center?
5: You can
2: just yeah.
3: say Champions League, I think,
5: in that, in that context. Yeah, I mean, it was
2: obviously uh, right. <laughs> him buying Manchester United was quite an acrimonious uh, acquisition. He, you know, saddled them with a certain amount of debt. You it's,
3: damn Americans, you did it again to us.
2: There you go. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it was kind of sad to see it—not him not greeted, you know, so fondly. Because, um, yeah, all Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans obviously view him with uh, – Wait, where did
6: the debt come from? From acquiring star talent or just from no, poor was, management? No, it was
2: to purchase the team.
4: Uh, Gold Standard, is it safe to say that if Dan was a soccer fan, he would be a Man U fan?
2: That's very Yeah, with the Yankees I, connection. I heard there's a Yankees Although connection there. they're actually twinned with uh, Manchester City now, Manchester United rivals.
4: I. Well, it's safe to say Fabiano would be a fan. I'm also Manchester a Jets fan, fan, though. Fan.
3: But I know that sure. Oasis are Man City guys. <laughs> And my allegiance to Noel Liam runs deep. So I'm going to say I'm a Man City guy. That's fair. Right under the radar. All right, gentlemen, let's move forward. Top 100. Wes's favorite aspect of being an NFL fan is the top 100 <laughs> countdown, countdown every year. Is that correct, Wes? That's erroneous. Okay. Um, Greg Rosenthal, they counted down 61 to 70 on the list. Greg, the boss, wrote up uh, six takeaways from the latest edition of the Top 100, and we'll throw it to Greg Rosenthal
5: Wow!
3: and see what he has to say. What kind of jumped out at you, 61 to 70?
5: Well, Nick Foles jumped out. He's number 70 on the list. He's ahead of Romo. He's ahead of Colin Kaepernick. He's ahead of Matthew Stafford. I would take all three of those quarterbacks over Nick Foles, and he's a guy that made the Pro Bowl. People were talking about him as a potential MVP candidate, and... My thing is just let's slow down a little on Nick Foles. We mm. don't know what he is yet. He's started 10 games. He's shown some good things. But he wasn't the reason they won the division. They won the division because of the system and because of the offensive line and everything around. And Foles was a, a nice part of that. But he's not He's not this good. He's not at that level yet. I think in the
4: NFL, you start out. And Foles isn't as high, really highly regarded as, at this stage of his career around the league as Jay Cutler was. Right. at the similar stage. I think in the NFL what matters when you judge quarterbacks, whether rightly or wrongly, what do you do when the game's on the line? And like you said, Foles really hasn't had a chance to do that yet. They haven't needed him when the game's on the line. So let's, let's hold off on anointing him. Put the anointing they used, away. They
5: could have used him a little more in the second half of that loss to the Eagles in the playoffs. He wasn't terrible. Saints. Lost Saints, to, yeah. sorry. Uh,
6: they did beat themselves on some level.
5: Yeah, and he wasn't right. terrible either. It was a typical Nick Foles game where he's part of a larger machine. That's all I'm saying.
6: Well, but this, by the way, is not a career retrospective. It's meant to be where they are coming off right last season, right? Or
5: or even I think it's supposed to be for this upcoming season. Either way, I wouldn't put him in that category. I would I, not say he's a top ten category. Can I,
3: I'll ask you, gentlemen, a question. There are three quarterbacks that are behind Foles on this list. Tony Romo, Colin Kaepernick, and Matthew Stafford. If I were to hire you as a head coach for a team, is I, let's take Kaepernick out of this. I feel like you guys would take Kaepernick above those other three guys. Is no that question. Okay, who
4: Kaepernick would, doesn't belong in that group, I agree.
3: Who would, be, who would be the fourth of these guys, I'll put it that way? Who would be the last guy you'd want if I gave you these as four options?
6: Foles by far. Foles by far, I agree with Greg. And because Foles, for me, it's, he's in the, it's the system he's in. I don't trust that if you put him into any system, he thrives. I, I feel that Tony Romo, Stafford... Romo's
3: a, 34 with the back surgery. Have a That doesn't – you still want – Are you talking
6: about starting a team today? Yeah. Well, I would never take a 34-year-old quarterback well, to start how, a team. That's how
3: I laid it out. I said, I just hired you as coach. Then Stafford. Hmm, interesting.
6: I would take
4: Romo because – well, I mean, I don't believe to your roles are the team? same as the top 100 list. This
5: is a, a different game. It's an offshoot. Oh, shoot. okay. It's a spin off. It's a
4: spin off. <laughs> if we're starting we a team, I would take after,
5: Stafford after if it was show. just those three. <laughs> right. They, fir- they have a discussion show after the actual show with Damashek and Silver. And then if you're listening, NFL Network executives, maybe at <laughs> 1 in the morning, throw on Zeus, <laughs> Wes, Sessler, the Around the League crew, and, and we'll, we do this whole other thing. And while
3: that, the first after show is going on, we will be <laughs> at a local watering hole just talking about ideas for the show. And then by the time we roll at 1 a.m., we're flying
5: what an idea let's, come on guys let's get this started social media movement <laughs> instant entertainment he,
3: after after show
6: 20 hour work day
3: <laughs> uh, anything else jump out at you at the top 100 there uh, Mr. Rosenthal
5: no Jared Allen got a little overrated I, uh, I didn't nothing else really Cameron Wake's an underrated player every I year. like
4: that you mentioned that because he is vastly underrated yeah he should have been higher but he why does move that up? happen
6: year after year with him
4: He's League? not a named player, and he came from the Canadian Football League. I think Canada, he, probably he? Do, he probably doesn't have as much respect from other players.
6: There's a general anti Canadian sentiment in the NFL if amongst his players. If he
4: was a number three <laughs> overall pick in the draft, don't you think he would be more yeah. highly rated? Or on a team anyone cared about.
3: I don't feel that
4: the. It's all Jeff Ireland's fault that Cam Wake isn't getting his own pub.
3: That's fair. I don't feel like the Around the League podcast has a huge Canadian following. Do we get a lot of heat from Canada?
5: I have. I've looked at the numbers. We we have an incredible international audience. It's almost hard to believe. Thank you all for listening. A a huge segment of our listenership is from overseas, and Canada is a huge part of that. They are our number two country behind. uh, Really, you haven't broken down that far. Yeah. Metrics mind bending. Well, we love Canada. We love Canada. Germany, <laughs> Australia. I, I certainly. Can do. you You're, forward, can you forward these numbers to us? Sure. Go I want to
2: be in on this.
4: This is your job yeah, before I you can, leave. Uh, I.
2: I can let you know to the uh, to the listener how many we've got. Ooh, it's exciting.
3: I, for a brief time in my life, dated a woman named Kirby that lived in Toronto. Little no, memoir. No part of for that story is Her true. <laughs>
6: Kirby? That part of that is true. Kirby.
3: Joke. K-I-R-B-Y. Like that like sounds Puckett, to yeah. me
6: like it did not end well.
3: It did not, actually. But is I don't blame like Canada.
6: It's like when you're away
4: camp and you're like, oh, yeah, I have a girlfriend. She lives in Canada. You wouldn't know her. A lot of hoops to jump through it's, to prove yeah, that I've tried
3: that ruse before. It's too absurd to make up in this case. But uh, that's a memoir tease coming out in 2064. <laughs>
4: to make up, all you did was take an 80 center fielder's first name and throw a Canadian city out there.
3: mm you did it. You cracked it. <laughs> um, all right. So, moving forward. Good top 100 talk, Greg. Way to lead it. Great, uh, Wes, you really enjoyed it. I could talk. I did, yes. Um, let's dig into the OTA's whispers. whispers. Uh, breaking down some nuggets taken from both uh, the Around the League. NFL.com backslash ATL. You get all the news that we write about that really formulates the uh, the bedrock of the Around the League podcast. We had uh, what we learned from Wednesdays, OTAs, and Tuesdays. So figure we'll go around the room once, perhaps even twice, if time permits, and talk about uh, things that have jumped out to us. So why don't we start, Mark? You, were, uh, you wrote up the Wednesday roundup, something that jumped out to you on Wednesday.
6: Well, I think for me, the minute I hit work at around 8 a.m., Greg basically said, we've got... Johnny Manziel teed up in Cleveland like you got to jump right on this. And A, it started with Petten basically responding to whatever it was people were perceiving happened in Vegas to Johnny Manziel over the weekend. My takeaway was, number one, they they don't care what he does off the field as long as he basically doesn't get arrested. He already was moved into second-team snaps ahead of Tyler well, Thigpen, your Thigpen, boy number three. Wes's well, boy. None of it means anything in May, but you know, with Hoyer not cleared really for for full on eleven on on eleven contact, he took number ones. And in the takeaway for me, had nothing to do with this Las Vegas business. It was a couple of the writers on the scene who watched every snap said this offense by Kyle Shanahan hmm. is being engineered entirely for a mobile quarterback. There's a lot being borrowed from what he did with RG3, and it's not being engineered for someone other than Manziel. This is his job to lose. So it's not being
4: engineered for an immobile quarterback with a giant knee brace. <laughs> I wouldn't call Hoyer I wouldn't, mobile I think, at all. I think he coming off good, surgery he you're movement. saying he he's did. Right. with a giant knee brace, well, before, he will be an immobile. Well, we, I know in your mind we're dealing with 2013 Brian Hoyer, but that guy's not
6: walking through the door. We're dealing with the ACL Brian Hoyer. Well, yes. C- correct, Wes. The point is it's not being engineered for Brian Hoyer. Thank you very much. But it, <laughs> it <laughs> wow. shows. Well, no, no. Because we, we all He's get it. Isn't the up. point? I just think that Cleveland, no matter what they've said, they took this guy to play.
3: Listen to the the optimism in your voice when you talk about this team. I got excited, Mark.
6: Well, it would be wrong for – I think having him sit until week eight or something would – is not going to go well.
3: Here's what I thought. I agree. I thought yesterday was a a nice sign for the Browns organization that – after a, a week or so of all the strange comments about holding Johnny Manziel down, finally after this Vegas thing, what really the good thing came out of it was the coach coming out, Mike Patton, be like, I don't care. He he even checked with me. He said it was fine. It's fine for him to go to Vegas. He he told me he was studying. He gave him the benefit of the doubt, and he told the media so. And then Manziel, because I think you know he's JFF and and he's a fun guy. You know, when the media was trying to give him some heat about it, he's like, listen, I'll do what I want to do. It's my life. I do my work, and then I do, I do my play, and I could separate those two things. Everything made sense, and I like that it wasn't turned into a bigger thing by the Browns.
4: I agree. Didn't we see, like, it seems like a shift in philosophy on how they're going to handle Johnny football.
3: See, Vegas is the greatest thing in the world. That's
6: I think the they, were the t- they were the, the guy that got a way-too-hot girlfriend and had no idea how to handle that out of the mm. gate because they've never had one. And they're starting to get their moxie. They're understanding what they're dealing with. For now, <laughs> let's see where we are next podcast. I
3: also like uh, the biggest the biggest winner of the Vegas trip for Johnny Football was DJ Pauly D of Jersey Shore fame. Back on the radar. <laughs> back on the grid. <laughs> You know, the situation probably saw that and was like, Wes oh, has
6: no
4: idea that. what's going on. I know on. who DJ Paulie D is. I didn't know that he had intertwined. Yeah, I didn't either. He was so in he the
3: was, mix. He was is in one a, of the shots. There's uh, an
6: Instagram out there with the two of them. Oh, that's why.
3: DJ Polly D is listening to this right now. He's like, yo, I make $3.3 3 a year DJing in Vegas. So <laughs> I know he's point. doing okay in his life, but back on the grid, I
4: didn't realize until I moved to L.A. that DJs are basically like athletes and movie stars <laughs> in this area, in the L.A. <laughs> Vegas area. It's amazing they have billboards and they get paid millions of dollars for spinning a record.
3: <laughs> I Mr. like you call a record, but you know what? Do they have a DJ in Huckapoo's? It sounds like no,
4: no. They have a playlist, <laughs> a very good playlist. <laughs> DJ, come on! I think I'm hanging out at a place with a DJ? Uh,
3: Wes, what is your? Give me a takeaway from either Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh,
4: my takeaway is I wish Bruce Arians was still not a liar.
0: Ooh. I wish you weren't a liar.
4: After he drafted Logan Thomas, he admitted, I lie pretty good because he said, you know, I'm not going to draft a quarterback. We've got Carson Palmer. Well, now he's talking about Andre Ellington, a scat back who's gained 10 pounds. So maybe he's got a little more durability than last year when they decided they had to play the discarded husk of Rashard Mendenhall over Andre Ellington. They could only give wow. Ellington 12, 12 carries a game because... He's not. He's not. He doesn't have the body. Thin hips, slightly built. Now he's going to get twenty-five to thirty touches a game, which would break all NFL records. He's going to get five hundred touches on the season. Well, <laughs>
5: they, coaches always throw out these numbers, though. In the it's laughable. they're not they're not doing the math of thirty touches a game equals four hundred eighty. I, I don't think that necessarily means he's lying. He's I, lying. I think he is looking at Ellington as a guy who's going to touch the ball a lot more this year and is a centerpiece of his office. I believe that.
6: Wes is just being injured referred, by Halloween. You, you've just referred to a living being as a discarded husk.
5: <laughs> <laughs> He's
6: like molly whopped Richard what, Mendenhall. What, <laughs> I watched some Ellington, or really some Carson
5: Palmer, but Ellington always just pops off the screen. And when you watch Andre Ellington, I think – Why is this guy not getting the ball more? And there is not much separation between a LaShawn McCoy type of player and Andre Ellington. I think he has the potential to be a top five or six running back in the league. That He is that good when you watch his movement skills and everything. Maybe he's not 25 to 30 a game, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Andre Ellington rack up yards and go to the Pro Bowl.
6: But isn't Wes annoyed because you've followed fantasy football for a decade-plus and these kind of nonsensical promises happen every year at this time. That's Fair.
4: part of why I'm annoyed. I'm also annoyed because the Cardinals themselves said he's thin-hipped and slightly built. So would you give Jarius Norwood 350 carries? No, <laughs> he's going to get injured. If they decided last Jai year... Jairus? Norwood? fired. Jai- <laughs> Jai- if Byard. they decided last year he's not built right to handle a heavy work ro- workload or to be your between-the-tackles back...
6: Can't I don't guy- think
5: 10 pounds is, is really going to change that. can guys develop into that? LaShawn McCoy is certainly tougher than when he started in the league. It happens with guys like that. Some
4: this. guys don't. like. I, I don't think Leon Washington was ever going to be that guy, but he's a guy who is similar to Andre Ellington
3: style-wise. Greg, your takeaway.
5: That Bill O'Brien, the Texans coach, came right out on day one of OTAs and made it clear it's not Ryan Fitzpatrick's job, that this is an open quarterback competition, we're – we're just assuming Fitzpatrick is the favorite. He probably is the favorite, but no one, no one can love Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I think O'Brien and the Texans are in that group. They didn't want him to be the true number one
6: for a guy that quarterback guru Bill O'Brien still waiting to see it happen. <laughs> well, no, I'm sorry, but he's one of many guys through the building that made Tom Brady look good. I, I haven't. There's not a long pedigree. Did they develop Matt McGloin? That's fair. Matt <laughs> McGloin, big home run. Double but th- this is exactly the opposite of what I thought when they hired him, where they'd be with the quarterback situation, which is essentially a bathtub full of backups. There's not <laughs> one guy here that you can sell to your fan base and say, get excited, there's a guy to really develop here. Maybe Keenum, I guess, but I think the team already kind of wrote the guy off last year. Why would they all be in a bathtub?
4: I saw bathtub full of backups in 94. <laughs> they were opening for uh, the Violent Fans. <laughs> Get excited, Texans
5: fans. <laughs> yeah. uh, TJ Yates.
4: Case Keenum. We Savage. didn't need Bill O'Brien to say this. We already knew Case Keenum was in this quarterback race with Ryan Fitzpatrick.
3: Well, what if this was all...
4: What uh, if
5: it's a Yates? Yates is not target. winning
4: this.
3: What if it was all Savage. just a genius play by the Texans that after getting... The next Lawrence Taylor in this year's draft saying, you know what? Screw the quarterback position. It will cause us to go in the tank again. That's fine. Another 3-13. and 13. Bang. They take the top quarterback in next year's draft. And now all of a sudden they have two massive dynamic number one picks. Back to back. Here we go. No, when Dallas
6: is picking number one. That's what I'm talking about.
3: <laughs> what? Dallas
6: takes uh, on Mariota.
3: Pass on Manziel in 2014 and then take a quarterback first overall in 2015?
4: If Romo gets hurt again and Whedon has to come in.
3: <laughs> you guys are talking like you know something we don't. Is something up with Tony? Whedon also gets coaches
6: fired. <laughs> the last two coaches attached to Brandon Whedon lost their jobs.
3: Brandon is not taking a meaningful snap for the Cowboys this year. It's just not going to happen. They hope. I mean, I don't think he's going to be the backup quarterback. <laughs> do you who, really who think they're going to do it? Ryan Mallett? Somebody that's not in the picture right now would be my prediction.
4: T.J. Yates.
3: Case Keenum. If
4: T.J. Yates is the
3: quarterback, they're still getting the number one draft pick. Um, I'm a little nervous about uh, my my hometown Jet team. A little bit of a potential distraction going on there now with the quarterback situation. I think we've all kind of seen it coming. And on Wednesday, there was, there was some heat. There was some jet heat. Rex Ryan was asked about Michael Vick's comments from a week earlier. About you know he Vic said this is not an open competition he's competing and then Rex came out they asked him immediately, of course, uh, is it an open comp- competition to which Rex replied, um, you know of course it is it, it sure is something along those lines minutes later and you follow this on Twitter now the all the beat guys go from Rex's press conference to the Jets locker room and ask Michael Vick uh, so you know is this a open competition? And Vic's response was, nah, it's not an open competition. So there's still I, – I, my feeling on this is that Vic needs to pipe down. I said this earlier this week on the podcast and stop talking so much. But this is kind of what you invited in when you signed a, uh, you know, a high-profile player to compete against your incumbent. And the Jets seem like they might have a bit of uh, turbulence coming to Florham Park this summer. Gold
4: standard, cue up some circus music. It's back in town, baby. It's back in town. It's just
5: starting. We can't even foresee the ridiculous stories that will be coming out of the Jets this year.
6: Well, as Wes said yesterday, my spidey sense is tingling. <laughs> Something's just amiss here. It just it got it's a They're oh, not it on the same page. Right. It's it's a little ugly.
3: Well, the other weird thing about it is that and Rich simini of ESPN New York. Uh, commented that Vic sounded brainwashed when when they came and spoke with him initially. <laughs>
6: repeating talking points. Yeah, repeating like talking points candidate. like
3: someone had gotten to him. But then, despite that, he also then dropped the comment again that he still didn't believe it was an open competition. Uh, I think the only thing that could really... Uh, backfire in the Jets here is a Vic continually talks through the summer and makes these type of comments. And I guess they can't put a muzzle on the guy. Maybe a poor choice of words regarding Michael. I Vic. don't blame Vic. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think they're, they're in a tough spot. If he's going to want to talk and is a veteran with a lot of past success, they can't necessarily control the guy. It's going to put them in a very bad spot that maybe they didn't foresee.
4: Nobody has reported exactly what Vic was promised when he signed, but I know before he signed, there was a report from one of the local papers that said Vic will be offered the chance to compete for the starting job. And Ian Rappaport said a couple of weeks before Vic signed, he's, he's willing to wait months to sign with a team if he doesn't get a chance to compete for the starting job. So he signs a couple of weeks later with the Jets. Why would he sign there if he
6: wasn't promised a chance to compete? This is on Idzik, and I'll tell you why. Because two, two summers ago, you had Sanchez and Tebow battling a with circus. the press. That was a nightmare. So Idzik takes over and takes Geno Smith and has him dealing with Sanchez last summer, which was uncomfortable. He had a chance to put Geno alone in this job and not add this dimension. And, and you're shaking your head, Dan. I am,
3: because we all agreed it was the right move yeah, two months think, ago. Think, and I now we're a, saying Idzik should be I killed it, for I, getting it's him. It's
6: agreed if, if Vic has a chance to win the job, because I think Vic is the better quarterback. If he's, if he's suddenly being told now, no, you're not, you're going to sit back and be a good teammate? You're going to be a caddy changed. for
4: until he until he face plants?
6: That's poorly
5: managed. And I, I think don't think that's o- what
3: he's been told. That's just an assumption that people are making.
5: I think it's an OTA story. I don't think it matters, and they needed to bring in Vic because they couldn't just rely on Gino. And if this is the worst that happens, that there's some stuff in the media and a little back and forth, maybe there is something you behind it You just told
4: scenes. us last podcast that this is a story that will go on all year because I, I think it will. never
5: shuts up. It, it will. It's going to be a drama. I don't think it affects them winning or losing, but I do think it's going to be a daily drama.
6: It's yeah, not it, good for Rex Ryan to have to comment on this every press conference. It's just, yeah. it's the well, last true, thing they need.
3: But you know what? That's part of the gig in New York too. Like if it wasn't this, it would be something else. Rex Ryan's been answering things for four or five years now, and this is going to be the thing that he deals with this year. It's, yeah, but it's anything just, you know,
6: other than the quarterback situation is a lot less problematic. He, Rex Ryan doesn't want to have to deal with the quarterback situation, and here he is again.
3: Well, until they have a true franchise quarterback, last year was relatively quiet
4: out of Florham Park. Yeah,
3: they had no other options. You know, oh, you're talking in general.
4: Yes. Yeah, the media didn't go too wild. Totally. I mean, because a few Sanchez was taken, in training
6: camp, but Sanchez is taken out right. of the equation. That's the only reason right. it was the healthiest that team has been with the press for a long time, and they invited it all back in with this by
3: signing a Good capable veteran backup, though. It wasn't a bad move. He wasn't signed to be a backup. Do you think it was now a mistake to sign Michael Vick? He
6: wasn't signed to be a backup. Right. If their intention was to say, we're going to go with Geno in year two the way the Bills did, for instance, with EJ Manuel for better or worse, there's no drama in Buffalo. But there is in New York because they brought a guy that everyone assumes is a more electric, more trustworthy player under center than their second-year quarterback. And wasn't given a backup contract. Was given a mid-level,
3: you-can-compete-to-start contract. They, they signed him as a security blanket. They really did. And well,
6: thought, that's naive if, if you're the Jets. And you can disagree, but, I mean, you well, have, I totally this disagree. circus can't it's be It's hugely unpro- naive,
4: and I don't believe for a second that Mac- Michael Vick was told he's going to be the backup when he signed.
3: And has he been told now he is the backup? I
4: believe he's been told this is Geno Smith's job to lose. But does anybody know this? No, I believe
5: that that's what his well, statements he, are telling why us. Why would he say it's not an open competition otherwise? It's such a
4: weird right. comment. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but everything I think everything we can infer is Michael Vick was told at first, you're going to have a chance to compete to start, and has been told since then, you have a chance to compete to start, but Geno's going to be the guy unless he messes up.
3: And that's still the case.
4: Right, but there's a very subtle but important distinction there.
3: Well, we'll see how it plays out. I, I've always thought that Gino will be the starter, and then the first— Sign of trouble. They're going to bring in Vic, and that's still how I see it playing out. And if that's how it plays out, then I think it was the right signing. They have to just deal with the stuff if Vic is going to talk, though. In my opinion. Uh, All right, gentlemen. That is it. A lot of little Jets heat, man.
6: (laughs) Sorry to leave on that Uh, uh, heat-filled podcast. Ugly note. It
3: was uh, you know it was competitive talk about the Jets, but we're gonna we'll be back when when's the next competitive? Yeah, we will be back.
5: (laughs) It's competition.
3: An open competition.
5: (laughs) Our three week. Three shows a week, back next week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday.
3: And Gold Standard, before we go, we need to talk about Win West's toaster. Yes, we do. Have you, what, what's this, any updates?
2: Uh, I'm still refurbishing the Elimination Chamber, <laughs> uh, so the updates are there. We've got a lot of spikes coming in. It's been some weird <laughs> deliveries to NFL media. I can't
3: believe you had a refurbisher, already. Yeah,
2: yeah, you know, it didn't do the job last time. We <laughs> gotta keep turning up the heat.
3: All right, good. So, how do people get in touch with you? Wilson?
2: Um, well, you can uh, either contact me at that damn yank on Twitter or the Around the League page at at NFL underscore ATL.
3: But mostly at that damn yank. Mostly just give know, me just some, some keep Twitter followers. You know, come on. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, uh, just let me know that you want to be a part of it. You've got to actually be uh, based in the United States or Canada. I, I guess we can do. Okay, but, uh, North America. Yeah, you got to be able to call in, so that's sort of the problem there. All right, thank good. you to all of our uh, esteemed international listeners.
5: And again, send those money tags, hashtag money tags, to our Around the League Twitter account. Do our work
3: for us. <laughs> all right, that's it. Uh, until Monday, this is Dan Hanza signing off for the Mailman, the Sizzler, the Boss, and the Gold Standard behind the glass. Until
6: next week. Aston Villa stadium being like Randy.
0: (laughs) You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses.
1: The cat
0: Com.